The Luck of Ivan the Forgetful from Peasant Tales of Russia by Vasily Nemirovich Danchenko, translated by Claude Field. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kevin Davidson. Part Four. Ivan the Runaway wandered farther through the dark forests, over waste, silent stretches of land and wide moors where his step left behind it little cold pools in the spongy ground, and where the wildfowl gathered on the mossy hillocks and chattered cheerfully in the sunshine. At last he came across traces of human existence. It was true that from the pine-tree which he had climbed up he could perceive in the grey plain enclosed by woods neither cottage, roofs, nor smoke though it was such a clear day that the streamlets which ran between the hillocks shone brightly and dazzled his eyes, which were accustomed to the darkness of the forest. But yet the district seemed to be inhabited. A firm yellow road wound in a broad semicircle round the moor. The ruts left by the cart-wheels of the previous year crossed each other distinctly, but no new wheels had ground the dry clods of earth into dust. Probably the road was seldom used. At any rate, the fugitive sat for hours in his tree, without hearing in the distance the creaking of the ungreased axle of a peasant's cart. From the road there branched off a path which seemed to lead to a distant village. Ivan was heartily tired of his diet of wood-game, and began to consider whether he could venture into a village to buy bread. In the pocket of the murdered huntsman he had found a rouble-note and some silver coins. It was true that his hair had not grown again the normal length, but he could tie a piece of cloth round his half-shorn skull, and need not take it off when he entered a shop. "'One buys what one wants, and one goes one's way, that is all,' he said to reassure himself, for he felt a nervous antipathy to meeting any one just as a wolf fears every yelping cur as soon as he wanders by mistake into a village. At last he determined to go on quite slowly, so as to reach the village under cover of the approaching darkness. With this idea he turned into the path which wound in an eccentric fashion through the moor, sometimes diving into ravines and sometimes emerging into clear sunshine, here and there stumps of trees bearing the fresh marks of an axe, and black abandoned fireplaces, whose ashes had not yet been quite blown away, showed that men had worked and rested here. The wanderer also thought he often heard human voices, but when he held his breath to listen, he always found it had been the deceptive cry of a bird. The day came to an end, the golden radiance of the sun setting behind the distant hills grew pale, and the first stars glimmered in the dusky sky. Ivan strode valiantly forwards through the white rising mists, out of which single branches of trees projecting beckoned to him like long lean arms, till he reached a copse with dry mossy ground, which seemed admirably adapted to furnish him with a sleeping place for the night. He collected a bundle of twigs together and struck a light, but in the act of raising his hand he stopped. What was that? Was there not a sound from the wood like a child's crying? For a moment a cold thrill passed through him. Half-forgotten ghost stories occurred to him, but he was too intimately familiar with the life of the forest to be seriously alarmed. After a short pause the crying began again. "'Hello! Who is there?' 
"'Is there anyone?' Ivan shouted as loud as he could. His voice aroused the sleeping wood. Squirrels rustled among the branches, and startled birds flapped their wings. Then everything was again perfectly silent, nor could the sound of crying be heard any more. Ivan again turned into the path. "'It must be a woman or a child,' he thought, and quite close, too. He peered with keen eyes through the darkness, and moved noiselessly forward in order not to frighten the weeper. Now he heard the sound of sobbing more distinctly. It was a child. But how had a child got here? The moon had risen and threw an uncertain light on the path. In a ditch by the side of it lay something white. It was a skeleton of a horse which had been devoured by wolves. Near it was rustling some creature which moved off at the convict's approach, first crawling, then at full speed. Ivan went on and asked in a lower voice, "'Who is there?' A low sob was the only answer. "'Oh, I am frightened! Mother! Mother!' The moon now showed distinctly a little clearing in the wood. At the edge of it lay a woman's figure stretched out at full length. The wide-open eyes stared fixedly at the sky. No breath moved the rags which covered her breast. From under her wretched dress projected the lean, way-worn feet. Near her lay a wallet. A living creature clung to the motionless body and tried to raise it. "'What are you doing there?' asked the old man in a hoarse voice. "'Oh, I am so frightened, so frightened!' sobbed the child. A little ragged girl lifted her pale face to the convict and then, seized with alarm, tried to hide herself again in her mother's clothing. Ivan touched the woman's ice-cold forehead. "'What is your name?' he asked. "'Anyuta,' whispered the child without letting go of the body. "'Have you been here long?' "'I do not know. I—oh, I am so frightened.' "'Was the sun still high when your mother fell down?' "'Yes, grandfather.' Ivan stepped to one side and piled up a heap of dry twigs, which he set on fire. The merry flames licked with red tongues at the branches. "'Go warm yourself,' said the old man, speaking as abruptly as before to the child. "'Do it quickly.' "'And mother?' "'Let mother rest. She is asleep.' The firelight played on the face of the dead woman and lent it a ghostly semblance of life. The convict sat by the fire buried in his thoughts— Perhaps he also would soon be somewhere in the forest, or by the roadside like this woman. The thought was not a new one to him, how cold-bloodedly he had himself often engaged in a deadly affray with knives, and turned his back on his fallen opponent without compunction. And yet he felt moved at the sight of this stranger woman, who lay there in such a pitiable way like an animal which had breathed its last. "'It's a pity.' It's a pity, he growled to himself. Anyuta approached the fire timidly and stared straight at him. Perhaps the rapidly increasing darkness alarmed her, for she came nearer without his observing it. Suddenly, with her little hand, she seized his finger and held it fast. Well, little thing, what do you want? He growled involuntarily, laying his free hand on her head. What are we to do? Anyuta raised her clear little eyes. For the first time, a human being looked at him, the thief and murderer, trustfully. "'It's all right. All right. Don't worry,' he said, half embarrassed. And for the first time, something strange came into his eyes and rolled in warm drops into his gray, bristly beard. 
Part 5 Ivan the runaway could not bury Anyuta's mother, for he had no spade. He contented himself with collecting twigs, pine branches, and stones in order to cover the body of the poor tramp. The little girl at first wanted to hold his hands, but at his sharp rebuke she crept into a ditch and remained there crying bitterly while he finished his work. "'Well, why are you crying?' he asked at last to comfort her. "'I'm sad about mother.' "'Your mother is dead. She won't come back.' "'How can she be dead?' "'Have you ever seen anyone die?' "'Oh, yes, Uncle Andron, whom God took to himself.' "'Well, God has taken your mother to himself. Perhaps he wanted her.' "'There was also the gray horse,' said the child. "'God took him, too. When will he take me?' The old man looked long at the child, and something like pity stirred him. "'For you it is still too early,' he said gloomily. "'But what shall I do without mother?' She again held his finger with her little hand. "'Don't be afraid. I will stay with you. No one will touch you. I have a gun.' The old man picked up two slender sticks and tied them together with a strip of birch bark so as to make a rude cross. "'Now your mother's grave is finished. Make a prayer, Anyuta, that we will go.' "'I don't know how to pray. Mother never taught me. I can only say, "'Give me a piece of bread for Jesus' sake.' "'Have you ever been in church?' No, mother and I, we always stood before the church door when people came out and cried, Good people, give us bread for Jesus' sake. We have eaten nothing for two days. Well, then, God can ask nothing more of you, poor thing, said Ivan in a more friendly tone and stroked her. He will be tolerant. Cross yourself and kiss this cross. That's right. And now say, Lord, have mercy on her poor soul. Lord, have mercy on her poor soul, the child repeated. Now, let us go. We have no time to loiter. It was not till evening that Ivan, carrying the tired child in his arm, reached a little village. He waited until it was dark and light showed in the windows. As though they scented a thief in him, the dogs raised an ear-splitting noise. Anyuta, who had been asleep, nestling against his cheek, started with fright and began to cry. He told her harshly to be quiet, and approached the last cottage in the village which stood near the wood. "'Who is knocking? Is it a Christian?' asked the woman's voice. "'Will you give me a bed for the night? I am tired with carrying her,' he pointed to the child, whose little head had again sunk on his shoulder. The woman would hardly have admitted him alone. "'Come in, but don't take it ill that there is nothing to eat. We have nothing ourselves.' "'I have money. Is there any chance of buying anything?' "'Is the child yours? How tired it is, poor little thing.' "'No, she is not mine.' "'What should a hunter do with children? "'She came in my way, that is all. "'Her mother died in the forest, "'and I found her before the wolves ate her. "'Perhaps someone will adopt her. "'She's quite healthy, and her name is Anyuta.' "'Who can adopt her? "'We ourselves have barely enough to live upon. "'You must report your finding her "'at the police office in the nearest town, "'or go with her to the bailiff of the village.' "'But Ivan was not at all disposed "'to go either to the town or to the village bailiff.' "'Since God has sent me the poor orphan, she can remain with me,' he said. "'We will not come to grief, we two, in the forest. "'Will you promise not to be afraid when you hear howlings and moanings in the wood?' "'If you are with me, Grandfather, I won't be afraid. "'You have a gun and can shoot all the wolves dead.' "'As the child chattered, the old man's sulky face assumed a brighter expression. "'End of Part Five. Recording by Kevin Davidson, www.blogordie.org.
Facebook.com.